Okay, so I just woke up from this vision. And I saw Bernie Mac. And I was wondering about Bernie Mac. I was wondering about him for years when he died, like, 20, I believe, 12 it was, if I'm not mistaken. When he died from that illness, I've been wondering about him. You know, I really like to show different things like that. Um, I know that it seemed that he incorporated faith in his show, and I kind of wanted to see if, like, he maybe was saved before he died. But um, I had a vision about him just today, just recently when I just woke up. I just had a vision about him. I'd seen him in a spiritual realm. And I think it seems that um, it's possible that if you die and go to hell, you may be living in poverty. Hell may be poverty. It may be the poor, you know. It may just be the hood for you. It depends. Different people's hells, you know, it varies, you know. But we were walking through this town, this this city, this neighborhood, and um, it was this two-story, two-story home. And we were walking through, and I was talking to him, and um, we were just talking about how things were and, and different stuff like that. And that was, like, the first time I had seen him, but um, I don't feel that that was the first time I had an encounter with him. And um, I don't know. I just was like... Uh, I had such a I had such an, a powerful encounter, and I believe that Bernie Mac may have been, you know, responsible or had, you know, something to do with it. I had a vision that um, I was able to go back in time and visit my aunt's house before she moved from her house. She stayed in this house for a long time. My dad used to take us over to her house, you know, and. Um, we went and visited her, and she was in a bed depressed. She couldn't get up. Richard Pryor, he was in one of her one of the rooms. He was kind of staying in her house because I think that it's possible that, like, if you go to hell, you may be homeless. And um, I saw my granddad. He was like he was butt naked, and it was like he kind of like I went to give him a hug and it was it was weird. It's almost like he, he he tried to rape me and like I was trying I was screaming for help but like I don't know. Eventually he was fought off of me and like or he, he was pulled off. I was pulled off. Somebody pulled me off him or something. My dad was standing there and um all I know is um he started to wither away. Like at first he was up and he was walking but he didn't seem like he was kind of fully alert and then he just started to wither away all I know is I saw him just start getting older and his teeth start falling out and then he kind of just like folded back into the room and I think that that is a very big indication that that was a demon and not actually my grandfather but I didn't feel that it was after you know this spirit tried to rape me my dad was just standing there looking at his dad crying he dropped a few tears. And um, we then went into this room, and the house was being moved out. Right before that, we had visited this home with the with the 
the actor who plays Vanessa on Bernie Mac show, she was also in this car with us, and we were just visiting through different neighborhoods and different pieces and parts of our time that maybe we wish that we could have back. And um, we visited this place, and we were at this place. She said, I'm, I'm meeting my uncle. My mom always told me about my uncle. Um, he was the only one who had her back when my my grandfather kicked her on the streets or just, you know, uh, dis, disassociated with her. And um, I think it was before she was born, but he would have loved to meet her and different things like that. So, you know, she was just always told about how, how much of a wonderful person he was. And we went there to meet him when I was there. Like somebody, they, she was standing there talking to her uncle, and he was like, um, like people were playing over my mind. They were torturing me, and they were like, "He's a thief and he's a pervert." That's that's what they were saying about my cousin and my dad that was with me, and um, I was just like, "It's not who they really are. Like we're all battling spiritual warfare right now. We're not who we really are." But we dropped my cousin off in this part of town that he always used to hang around. It's called 93rd in Cleveland. He used to always hang around there. When he saw it, it's like, it's like he just, I guess he wished he could just go back to a time when he just, when things were just simple like that for him. But um, we dropped him off there and then we went to my aunt's house and when we got there, as I said, she was depressed in the bed. She couldn't get up. Richard Pryor was staying in an extra room and it was being packed up. My dad was helping to move the house out, and I think it was a simulation of cleaning house. But um, we were standing in this next room. My dad sat down and watched the newspaper, reading the newspaper, and my cousin Derek was there. And he was sitting in there, and he was just talking to him. And it was just like such a heavenly encounter. It felt that it was it was definitely a possibility that these different individuals are in heaven. And um, he was just himself. He was just how I remember him growing up when he used to stay with us. He used to live with us for years, and he was just himself. And my dad, he just was embracing the time there. And he just sat down and he read the newspaper, like, I don't really want to go. I just want to stay here forever. You know, but we couldn't stay there forever. And I started rushing him, but I didn't mean to. But he was like, just sit down and chill, you know. He knew it wasn't me that was rushing him, just like I knew it wasn't them that was stealing and that was being perverted. Like, his demons were battling, were, were fighting every day. So, um, he just sat there and he just wanted to stay there forever. And I saw the light shining like heaven, like, you can't, you can't stay here forever. And Derek got to go back to heaven. Like, that's what it seemed like God was saying. Like, you only get a little bit of time with them, and they got to go back to heaven. And we just got a chance to see the ones we love the most. It was beautiful. But I saw Bernie Mac. That's the reason why I'm giving the backstory of the vision, because I saw Bernie Mac in his vision. And we was walking through the this neighborhood, and he said to me, and this is all I can really remember him saying, he said other things. And I was, I don't know. I don't know, I was wondering, but all I could really remember him saying was, I just really wanted to get a chance to see my mother again. 
So I really just wanted to get a chance to see my mother again. And um, I said, have you seen your mother here? Is she here? And I think he was homeless. I think he didn't have anywhere to stay. He was just walking the streets. And we walked up to this house, this two-story house. And I saw his mother. His mother was gorgeous. She was beautiful. She was wearing this purple dress. Strap. Like a spaghetti strap dress. And um, she had like a, a updo. Which kind of reminded me like probably like. I really can't call it, but probably like 60s or 70s hairstyle, I don't know. I want to say 80s, but I always say 80s. But um, she was so beautiful, and I just remember thinking like, wow, your mother is gorgeous. She's so young. And I saw her as her young, beautiful self, and he was just like, come on, Mom. Because I think I said, maybe we can get your mom on board with fighting to get you guys to heaven. Have you seen her here? And um, he he walked he walked me right up to her. He was like, "Come on, mom." And it's like she wasn't able to respond to him in a normal way. I don't know. Maybe she said something to him that I didn't understand. But it's like she wasn't even able to talk to him. Like she was just zoned out, like looking looking past him. And then when they started actually having a real conversation, which is a demon that possessed her, and he knew it wasn't her. But she just started, the demon, Satan just started lying, you know. Satan just started lying and saying, your mother was a whore. She was a prostitute. He knew that wasn't true about his mother, though. And um, she just started undressing herself. And she's standing at the bottom of this house, this two-story home. And she was screaming up to this, the second story, like, come on, daddy. Come on, daddy. You know, something like that. And um, the guy from the second-story home was like, you know, I forgot what name he called her, but he was like, um, what name he called her by, but he was just like, just saying all kinds of pimp-related stuff, like, you know, no, I don't want you, or we not, we not gonna be together, different stuff like that, you know, I don't know, something like, some stuff like that, I don't know, he wasn't really saying he didn't want her, but he was kind of, in a way, just acting like a whoremonger, but, um, he just walked away. Bernie Mac just walked away. And he looked back like, you know, not that he had lost hope, but just that, like, he just didn't, he wasn't sure that he ever get to see her again. And I woke up. And um, when I woke up, I felt like, I woke up feeling like I was in another world, but it's this one. And, uh, I felt I felt I knew what that meant. I felt that seeing him there and being there with him may have meant that I may never make it out. I may never get a chance to be raptured. Not only that, you know, it feels like I I never made anybody any promises, but you know, different feel like different things were told to me about maybe whether anybody different people may stay in hell, whether they may really be spending eternity there. You know, I asked the Lord about that when I was 12 years old. God, is the people in hell truly staying in hell for the rest of eternity? You know, is it a possibility that anyone can be saved? Because you, the Lord came to me, he expressed to me, he said, when people go to hell, it hurts me 10 times more. They don't understand how much, I know how much it hurts them. It hurts them so much because it's hell and it's what you've earned. But it hurts me so much more to see my people going to hell at such a rap mass rate 
And um, he said, it just pains me so badly to see them all, all going to hell at such a mass rate. It hurts me so bad. And the way he said it, you know, it's almost as if he said it, he said it like he, he wanted to change it. He wanted to, he wanted it to change. He wanted it to be changed. And I said, Lord, well, after like a hundred years or like 200 years or however many, you know, thousands of years of torture, is it possible that somebody may have learned their lesson? You can pull them out. Is it possible that somebody could do something, anything to make, to, you know, earn their way into heaven, even after being sent to hell? He never answered that question. He never answered that question, but now this is happening, and it's like different things are being told to me that, like, there's opportunity for you to pull people out of hell. There's an opportunity for you to save people, you know, in this process, if this is to work, if this is to happen or or, or work out, you know, certain people may be able to come out of hell. And I think that that was Bernie Mac. And it makes sense because he said he just want to see his mother again. And um, I didn't know why Bernie Mac was one of those people that I felt like if I ever had an opportunity to save them out of hell, I would do what I could. And so I kind of, in a way, kept up with him, tried to keep up with him in the spiritual realm in order to ensure that if it was anything he can do, not not overstress him or work him too hard or do anything to the point where I'm making promises because I wouldn't want it to be like he did all of this and nothing changed because that's sad. But, you know, I've had different individuals from hell tell me if I could do anything to change what I did, if I could do anything to go back and get out of hell, I would do it. So you need to do what the Lord is asking you in order to prevent yourself from going. They said, at least you're getting out. And it was torture. It was like the worst thing I ever felt. So difficult, so hard. And they said that, and I knew that it was them. I knew that it was people from hell because it had to be true. Because after everything I was going through, I was like, the only people who understand that they could do more than what I'm doing now are the people who've experienced hell. Not the only people, but, like, I just knew it was them. And, um... I felt so horrible because here I am with this opportunity I'm not taking full advantage of. And there's people in hell who would do anything, anything to get out. This and then some. They said that they would cut off, they would cut off their leg, left leg, pluck their eye out, whatever the Bible says. You know, the Bible says if your if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out so that your whole entire body and soul may be safe. You know, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off so that your whole entire body may be safe from hell. If your right leg or left leg causes you to sin, cut it off so that your entire body may be safe from hell. And that's why I asked him, I said, you mean like that scripture? You cut your leg off in order to be prevented from going? They was like, I would do anything. You should do it. They said, do it. At least you're getting out. And, um... I knew it was me getting out of hell for so long. I worshiped God and I said, I don't want to go to hell. But he wasn't accepting that that sacrifice for what that was because he doesn't want you to do everything that you're doing to stay out of hell. Yes, he wants you to do it to stay out of hell, but he doesn't want you to do it to stay out of hell. He wants you to do it because he's worthy to be praised. He wants you to do it because you recognize his ways as truth. And you want to abide by his laws and you want to walk in a direction that, you know, your life is called to be in by him. He wants you to do it to make this world a better place to save souls and to 
you know, preach to testify of his goodness and his greatness and his mercy. That's why he wants you to do it. He doesn't want you to get on your knees and pray and say, God, I don't want to go to hell or God, I want blessings. He wants you to get on your knees and say, God, I want to be transformed. I want to be different for you. You are worthy to be praised. And so, um, I don't know. Just, I knew that already. I knew that that's how Bernie Mac had felt. Because it's like I knew, but I just didn't know. Like, I know different things that are being kept from me spiritually because my mind is being attacked, you know, in in the demonic realm. They have my mind. They have different aspects. They have my heart. They have different aspects, like my body, my, 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 my intelligence, different gifts the Lord has given me in life. They have it in a demonic realm, and they're harboring it from me, and they're also stealing my power, and they're feeding off of it, and they're living off of these things. And, you know, I know that already, you know. So, I obviously, like, I feel so, you know, I feel so beat up about the fact that I'm not doing enough. There's people in hell who would kill for this opportunity, who would die, who would do anything for this opportunity to just be, you know, just to be provided an opportunity by God to get out of their, get out of this situation and avoid hell. And I'm not getting up every single day to do everything I can, you know. It's why, it's why I'm going through so much. It's why I'm tortured, you know. It's why I suffer, but... It's not easy for me either, and that doesn't make it. That is that's not an excuse, but it's just that you know. I try to get up and do it based off of what people are saying and the people that are in hell. I try to get up and do it based off of all my ancestors that didn't make it, all of my ancestors that cursed Jesus' name, all of my ancestors that went the wrong direction, and now they're finding out that Jesus is real. Jesus is He saves. They're finding out through. They are finding out through my my life, through what the Lord is doing right now in my life. They're finding out that, you know, Jesus will come down for you. And they, they said, we hate him. We hate Jesus. Why is he just now showing up? Why did he show up all the time if we call for him? And, like, they're all in hell. And it just makes me wonder if any of my family has ever made it to heaven. But it looks like all of my ancestors, hundreds of them, and... A lot of them, you know, worship their ancestors. And it's like, with all of them in the same room, it seems they can see how silly it is for you to worship your ancestors instead of God himself. Your ancestors are not to be praised or worship. Your ancestors are not worthy to be praised. Only God is worthy to be praised. You have no idea how similar they are to you. If you can meet your ancestors and they say the same thing you say, they do the same things you do. They're not any better than you. They've possibly made a lot of the same mistakes in life, made a lot of the wrong, same wrong choices in life. And, you know, if you don't have personal, sentimental reasons, sentimental value connected to why you are calling upon them, it's foolish. It's foolish. See, what Bernie Mac is different. I don't want to say that so confidently, but I'm just going to say that I feel that it's different with Bernie Mac because he just wants to see his mother again. He loves his mother. But to worship your ancestors, you never even know. It's expecting for them to be able to pour any sort of power down into you or to be able to guide your life. Like, my ancestors guide me. No, they don't. Your ancestors don't guide you. That is a 
strong deception of Satan. When you call upon your ancestors, they may be possibly in hell. And um, the people that aren't there in heaven are looking down on you. They're just with you everywhere that you go. You don't have to call upon them. You're not supposed to call out to the dead. And, um, you know, they may very well be laughing at you because all my ancestors laughed at me. They laughed at my pain and my suffering. And they tried to steal my body. They tried to take my body. They tried to possess my body and kill me. They tried to help kill me. They tried to help the enemy kill me and possess my body because they just wanted to live again. They are not worthy to be praised. They spoke about how they they all ganged up on me on the opposite side and spoke about how much they hated Jesus. And I had about four ancestors out of hundreds of them that actually that actually even cared for my life at all. And it wasn't for, you know, any of the reasons I thought, like the fact that the Lord is doing so much through my life right now or that the fact that history is being made or the fact that, you know, the fact that I'm a demon hunter, you know. I've been given an assignment to revive millions of people. I have a calling on my life. That's not the reason why they even liked me at all. They were just like, I don't know. I just got my reasons. It was only about three or four of them at all that liked me at all. And it was like maybe three and a half, maybe. But they were all laughing in my face. At first, I was so extremely hurt. At first, I was so extremely hurt by it. I was extremely hurt by the fact that they all would just laugh in my face instead of getting up and calling upon the power of the Lord, you know, to help this situation be propelled forward, to fight these spirits off of me so that we can all prevail and succeed. And even if they weren't able to go to heaven, out of hell, be pulled out of hell, or anything happen for them, for them to just do it because God is worthy to be praised. But they were like, what? Why would we do that? We hate Jesus. Why is he just now showing up? They cursed his name right in front of him. And um, Jesus was standing right there. I was like, Jesus, how do you how do you feel about this? And he didn't really respond. He just told me to stay focused and keep fighting. But um, I saw it differently. I said, you know, I could never understand what it's like for them. But still, at least he's here now. And if you know, I, I will hope and pray that even if I didn't make it, that I will be one of the people, you know, that if they ever, if, if any of my family members after me got this close or ever got further than I did, I would be there helping them and supporting them and fighting for them in order to get them further and to make a difference and an impact in our generation and our family and our bloodline to break generational curses and propel our bloodline forward so that we don't ever have to see any more any more of us go to hell. Like it just didn't I don't know. I don't know, but it was almost nobody like that. No, I think it was nobody like that. Cause even the four people that three three and a half people that really did even care for me at all, they said that wasn't the reason they was doing it. They just felt like, well, I just like you for certain reasons. So, um Seeing Bernie Mac, seeing Bernie Mac, seeing him, just say, I just want to see my mom again. 
it really didn't feel like it was really any sympathy. Not that he was looking for it. But I felt like, why does anybody sympathize with that, you know? His mother was gorgeous. She was really, really beautiful. Really beautiful. But, um... Now, you know, he didn't do it to put pressure on me. He didn't do it to make me feel bad for him. He didn't do it for me to show any extra special attention or for me to, maybe he did do it to motivate me and tell and tell me why he is motivated or why he's still, you know, why he does why he does it, you know, why he's still kind of around in a way, allowing himself to be around in a way because I really didn't pick in a way these different individuals that I felt drawn to, that I felt drawn to ensure that if I ever got a chance to pull anybody out of hell, if I if I had any say in that, because it's by God's judgment alone, but if I had any say in that and could do anything about that, these different individuals I definitely wanted to see making and go to heaven if they are there in hell. Bernie Mac is one of them. You know, um, maybe Richard Pryor due to this, you know, recent circumstance when I was on my knees worshiping for hours and and begging the Lord for my family and trying to pull demons off of this entire town Richard Pryor showed up and he may have been actually trying to distract me or keep me from making it but I do believe he played a big part in trying to help I don't know I just saw him on his knees with his hands up worshiping with me motivating me and trying to give me the power to stay up and to keep going and um, at first I thought they were playing tricks on my mind, but I heard them saying that everybody just start cracking up, laughing really hard. And I just heard Richard Pryor and I saw him and I just knew it was real. I knew it was real because, like, he just has that, you know, contagious, that contagious, you know, personality where he can make whole crowds just crack up laughing and he just says something and I, I don't know. I even said, like, if you're Richard Pryor, why, aren't, why isn't everybody around here cracking up? You know, why isn't everybody? It seems like nobody can be around you without dying laughing everything you say. But he is a normal human being. He does have normal conversations. He does, you know, he's able to be around and, and have a, be in their presence normally without being a comedian. He's a human. And I think that's something I may have lost sight of. You know, just being the general public and not knowing him personally. But um, he was helping me. Richard Pryor was helping me. So I said, you know, he helped me at the time when very when things are very hard. And though he did try and hinder me and hurt me just like everybody else, he showed up at a time when things were really bad for me. And he, he confirmed a lot of things for me, he confirmed a lot of promises of God. And, you know, if I had a chance to help him, I would. And then Juice World, of course. And I think that that's why he's almost played so much of a part in the last two months being here. But... Seems like the day before yesterday, everyone was crying because um, he may have moved on, he may have left, he may have given himself, given his life, and left him and Tupac. They may have left, 
you know, in order to, they died, they may have died trying to save me and possibly maybe my sister, I don't know, different people, but, um, <clears throat> I do remember in the beginning of this process, um, and I was pulled into this vision when my sister was holding this baby and, you know, and young boy showed up and he was like, give her her baby. And, um, I was like, talking to this woman, this girl who actually first looked like my sister and I recognized her, but then it was like, it was money, Yaya, and then it was somebody else. Like, I don't know, it was people I didn't recognize, but she was holding a baby and it looked like she had just had a baby. And she was so depressed and she was like falling out on the couch. She was so depressed. I seen her just so sad, sad or deep, like it's such a deep, sad, deep sadness. I rarely seen anybody in ever. And, um, I went to ask her what was wrong. And Nibia Young was like, don't talk to her. Don't talk to her. Talk to me. And he was just kind of in a way like, um, you talk when I tell you to talk. And you answer to me and different stuff like that. And I was like, who are you talking to? You do not own me. You don't want your, no power, no control over me. I was like, you don't even exert no power or control over her. And I stood up for my sister. I'm like, why are you letting him talk to you like this? And he was like, um, well, her, that's mine. And, you know, I exert, you know, that's, I own her, something like that. You know, so if you want to talk to her, you got to talk to me first. You got to come to me first. And I was like, okay, you know, she's not saying that's nothing or sticking up for herself about it. So is it okay if I asked her, you know, if she's okay and what's wrong? And so I went to go ask her if she's okay. And I was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Why are you crying? And she was like, because he chose, he chose you. I mean, he chose her. I mean, he chose and over and he she was soon she was about to say over me he cut her off and was like up don't say nothing else and I was like why is he talking to her like that why is he exerting power over her like that like why does she answer to him you know and he was saying different stuff like you know and you gonna find out too and I'm going to exert power over you and I'm going to exert control over you and different stuff like that. But I didn't want to argue with him. I just wanted to find out what was wrong with my sister. And she, he was like, give her her baby. And she handed me this baby and this baby had the most beautiful eyes with the most beautiful destiny in them. But this baby was dying. This baby was dying. It was perishing as we spoke. It would have died any second. Um, I was holding the baby. And I was just so sad and hurt by the state of that child. The state of that baby was so small. It was like a premature baby. Like, you could hold it in one hand. It was such a small baby. And, um, but the head was big and it kind of looked like somebody. And the face kept changing. The, the features kept changing. And somebody was standing over my shoulder. Two people. It was NBA Youngboy and Jania. They were standing over my shoulder overlooking to see what I was going to do with this baby. And I was holding this baby like this baby was about to die. And I just wanted to wash this baby, clean this baby up, and nurse this baby back to health. But right in front of me was a trash can. And they tried to tell me, throw that baby in the trash. And I think that they were saying to throw my sister's baby in the trash because she had, you know, tied my womb. And she had prevented me from having children. She had taken my ability to have children using witchcraft or through witchcraft. And 
maybe that's why you feel like you have power over her because maybe, you know, due to her guilt for what she had done or whatever tie she may have had in the witchcraft from whatever she had done, you know, or just maybe her lack of knowledge because the Bible says my people perish because of lack of knowledge because it doesn't matter what you've done. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He's paid a price for you. You're paid for it. Nobody owns you. Satan does not have the last say or the final say over your life. God does. And God has made it clear. Satan does not run nothing. He does not dictate anybody. I don't care if they came and made a blood contract with you and sacrificed however many people. If I say that's my child and I want my child back, that's what Satan going to do. He don't exert no control over God. He don't run nothing. He don't own nothing. And neither does anybody who feel like they have any sort of power with Satan. That's a false sense of power. It's deception. And so, you know, God made that clear. But anyways, I took the baby. And um, the baby's face changed to look like first um, him and Jania. This is before Jania had her baby. And then it was... um, then the baby was changed to look like um, me and his baby. And I was like, I saw it and I was like, no way. And then at first I was holding it and I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like, you know, a little like, you know, privacy part area. So, you know, maybe that means it's a girl. But I was like, maybe I just, I'm just not feeling for it. But then it turned into a boy. But I think that's just because I wanted it to be one, but... I took the baby to the sink. I washed the baby up, and I nursed the baby back to health until the, the baby was shining in a holy light. And was I knew that baby was going to survive no matter what. I went over to my sister to hand her back her baby. And when I went to hand her back her baby, she was looking like she didn't even want the baby. I was like, here, take your baby. And then she grabbed her baby, you know. She was real, really more caught up in her phone. But what they were saying as I was carrying the baby over to her, they were saying, um... That's your baby. That's your baby. That's your child. Because I don't think that they expected for me to nurse that baby back to health or didn't know what I was going to do. But, you know, something tells me that, you know, them knowing a lot of different things about this prophecy and different things like that makes me feel like it's possible that they could have known exactly what I was going to do. They could have possibly known exactly the fulfillment of this prophecy. Maybe there were different people watching, different people's eyes on it. That didn't want to they didn't want to inform about how much they knew or maybe they didn't want to inform me about how much they knew they didn't want me to know how much they knew i don't know but um something tells me they may have known fully that i wasn't gonna throw that baby in the trash and i was gonna nurse that baby back to health and when it came down to the day of the deliverance and i got on my knees and i prayed to god was used as a vessel in order to that, you know, in order for my, my sister and her child, her unborn child, and my mother and many other people to be delivered from Satan that day. They they definitely exposed that they had known that that was going to happen. They definitely exposed that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that they knew that, that I was going to do that. I don't know why they try to provoke me to throw that baby in a trash can or try and convince me that I would have ever harmed or brought any type of harm to that child or handed me a half-dead baby expecting me not to care for it as much as I did and, and do everything I could to see that baby survive, you know? It was weird to me, but as I said, I felt they knew they knew what they were doing. But, you know, I didn't feel that they were fully wrong or fully wicked or fully, you know, evil because, you know, as you can see, this individual may have taken a special interest into this situation, seeing that this person may have played a part in my situation and, and 
my lack of ability to have children, you know, tying my wombs and different things like that. This individual may have felt bad for me, and which is why they felt that they wanted to make the situation right. You know, even though I don't think that maybe they were going about it the right way. But we, I don't know, I guess it's just the, it's just the initial goodwill and, you know, sign of goodwill or form of goodwill, whatever effort towards trying to help somebody at all. Because God will guide you after that, even if you don't know what you're doing, even if you're not always doing things the right way or, you know, being like just a hundred percent stand up type of individual, God will guide you. So, um, after I gave the baby back, I went into this next room and it was like this mansion that it was like the paint was peeling off of the walls and it was like, a it looked really like a haunted house. It was dark. And the only light that was shining in there was the light that was coming off of me. And um, I felt in the young boy's presence, but it was like, it felt like a presence of power in a way. But um, I don't know, it wasn't like a holy, holy light and a holy presence like the babies felt after it was nursed back to health. Clearly by God. So God, I guess, granted my sister her child's life in a way. You know, after what she had done to me, and I would have never wanted to even have a say in it. Of course, you know, just because whatever she did, I would never want that to ever fall on the on the on the life of an innocent child or anybody's, you know, anybody life at all. Period. Even if they're not innocent, like I just I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I wouldn't want somebody to not be able to have children because I couldn't have children. I wouldn't want somebody to go through what I've gone through because I've gone through it. Like, I just, I don't know. I want to be the difference. But all I know is um, I went and sat on the floor, and then Janine came and sat on the floor with me. And, like, we were just, like, talking. And she was like, I was like, why did you do it? And I didn't know what I was asking her what she did, you know. What was it that she even had done at the time? It was just like, why did you do it? And it's like I almost had, like, a a small section of questions and answers that I can even ask and get responses to. And I really didn't even get answers or responses to that. It was so, you know, peculiar. But um, I was just like, why, why did you do it? And she was like, um, I don't know. I just had lost my brother. And... I was lashing out. I didn't know how to feel. So, I don't know. And, um, I was like, she has a brother? But then soon as I was like, I, I asked her again, why did you do it? She was like, she couldn't, she was not giving me a straight answer. She was not answering my question. I, and then I asked again, I said, um, Now I asked again, I just was like, um, that's not, that's not, that's still not telling me why you did it though. Like it's not an answer, you're not giving me an answer. As soon as I said that, NBA young boy bust through the front door with guns and all his friends with guns. And they stood there. And it was me, and it was my brother, and it was my sister. It was me and my three brothers and my sister. And we were, like, playing on, like, toy sets and stuff. Like, it's almost like we were babies or kids. Back, or thinking that we were. 
babies and kids back when we were, I said, it's the, there's this agenda, there's this deception to make you think that you're a kid again. When you're really, whatever age that you are, you do, you are supposed to have childlike faith and to God, you are his child. Yes, he can see you in a childlike state, but I think that they had for a while been keeping such a, de- keeping my sister under such a deception that she was stuck in her childlike state of mind. That's how they were manipulating her, I think. Because they were convincing her that when I was a kid, this is how I would have acted. When I was a kid, this is what I would have done. You know, like they're always on the playground playing. And I think that's why she was playing with her toy sets. Because maybe my sister longs to be happy as she was when she was a kid. You know? But um, a lot of people long for that. And that's why, you know, I saw this video that said that that's oftentimes why a lot of people run to drugs because they long to be happy like they was when they were a kid and sometimes drugs give them that feeling but anyway she was playing with this toy so I could tell that she wasn't in a mindset of, of seeing what she really looked like to people she really looked you know at least 17 years old she didn't look the age she was at the time but she looked like she was older than that maybe 17 18 years old that's the age she looked on the day that the Lord came and delivered her but um but um kept seeing her like 17 18 after that but yeah she she wasn't a kid I think she thought she was a kid she was playing with a toy set but NBA young boy was standing in the next room with guns and his friends and like a group of dudes with guns and they were just like y'all want war something like that like what y'all gonna do what y'all gonna do about it you know and um I looked around and I was just like you know not that it matters. I don't even want to make it about this, you know, because we're in the spiritual realm and it's the first time I've ever experienced anything like this. And I don't know how I'm supposed to summon guns. Like, is it like a, do you go to, how do you get guns here? You know, how am I supposed to fight you? You know, I don't know how to even, how this even works because like, I don't know. How did you come through the front door? How does this work? How is like, feels like new rooms are being added here. Like, I don't even know how to control anything here in a way I don't know. You know, it's like, this is deception anyway, so I didn't understand it. But, like, to fight you with guns with my three brothers and my sister, or you have a group of dudes with guns loaded, like, I I just thought that that was, like, clearly an unfair fight. But it wasn't even about it being an unfair fight. It was, like, unnecessary. It was so many things. Like, it didn't make sense. And to me, it showed that he was scared. It showed that he was scared. He was definitely scared. And definitely feeling guilt about what he had played a part in and not knowing truly how to respond to it. So he wanted to respond in a way like, I'm just going to defend whatever it is that I did, no matter what it was I did, whether I was right or I was wrong. And I can understand that to a certain extent, but I just, I didn't know how to respond to that. But um, I woke up from that vision and I remember them just saying like, yeah, y'all was scared. Y'all was scared. Like, I don't want to hear none of that talk about what you gonna do if you was gonna do something about what I did different stuff like that because you ain't do nothing when you had opportunity to and I was thinking to myself I guess I could have did something then but I didn't know how, to, how like I said my first experience ever experienced anything like that you know and um I think that even he had first times with that experience as well with him just talking to me like that the way he was talking to me he was talking to me like you know, you do what I say. You answer to me. And, like, you know, I'm, you know, 
the general here or something like that. I don't know. But I was, it's not that I was being rude or anything. It's not that I was like, who you think you is or anything like that. It was not anything, anything like that. It was just that I was like, what? Like, what do you mean I answered to you? I just, it's my first time ever meeting you in my life. And you just started talking to me like you own me. I was just confused. I was so confused, but it clear, it became more clear. And I think even in that situation that it may have had a lot to do with something that my sister may have, you know, had hands in. I don't know. You know, they claimed that they pay her $5,000. She told me one day I was asking what was going on, begging her to tell me what was going on with her. And while she acting so different and so weird, what was going on? And she said, they gave me $5,000. I still have it. I'll give it back. And I think I heard something in the spirit say, no, you're not giving that back. I don't want it back. You you sold me her. Something like that. I don't know. But I was still saying, that's not wrong. That's not right. That's not going to stand. Nobody can sell me to you. You're crazy. Like, not even crazy, but like, you're deceived. You're deceived into believing this stuff really is true or counts or really matters. It's not true. And it's not, it, it's, it's not real. And even after everything that's happened, I still don't believe it. I don't believe he could ever own me for $5,000. I don't believe anybody could ever sell me. You know, the fact of the matter is I found so much, I found out so many different things that people were receiving money, you know, for me spiritually by Satan, I guess, or some sort of witchcraft or forms of things many different times, many different ways, even though throughout this process, the Lord has exposed that, um, they can never receive money on your behalf. Your life does not belong to you. Your life belongs to me. You're paid for God, Jesus paid for it all when he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Nobody can come and buy you. Nobody can own you. and Nobody can sell you. Like, none of that stands when it comes to Jesus. So, in this process, I, that's just been exposed. Maybe that was, you know, the fulfillment of the prophecy to expose that to different individuals who may have been deceived into believing that for their own selves and for their own lives. Satan doesn't own you. And you're paid for and so you know, it was it was, a, it was it was so much going on, but um, in this process, I just felt like um, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? My sister, who was um, so depressed, like he chose you over me, you know, and I think even depressed by her baby, giving her baby back, different things like that. I felt like, you know, I really wanted to tell her. You know, don't 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 fall into that deception. Don't fall underneath the don't 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 fall into the don't fall underneath that spell believing that this stuff actually stands or matters, it doesn't. You know, he cannot, you know, give your child away. That's your child. That baby came out of your womb. God bless you to have a child. That's your baby. He can never say that's my baby. And this entire process they've been trying to convince me. That's your baby. That's your daughter. You got power over her because that's your baby. Because she should never took your baby. So I'm giving you your baby. That's your baby. And there was this thing that happened years ago back in our hometown before my sister moved to Houston. Before I got here too. She was here three years before me. But um, all I know is uh, one day we was in a car and you know, it seemed like her and my mom wanted to confess something to me. It seemed like they wanted to tell me something. But they couldn't say it and they couldn't get it out and they just didn't. But they ended up saying, um, they ended up saying that, um, 
they said, my sister just came out and said to me, it's like, it was like, we had something to tell you, but they didn't, they, neither one of them had, you know, was just brave enough to tell me, I guess. I don't know. They couldn't say, they couldn't tell me, I guess. But, um, something weird happened that day. And then they, my sister just came out and said, like, I can't have, I'm having two kids my entire life. I'm going to have two kids. And I'm thinking about maybe giving you one of them. Is what she said to me. And, um, I was like, you know what? Thank you so much for, you know, sympathizing with me. Not that I ever told her I ever felt like I couldn't have kids or that it was clear I was barren or anything like that. You know, around this time I was like 16, 17. No, I was around 18 years old. And, you know, at that age, I'm still thinking I, I still have the opportunity to have kids later on in life. Just because I don't have kids right now don't mean I can't. But I was wondering why I wasn't getting pregnant, you know. But um, I trust God on that. Like, when it's time he'll give me children, I feel that he's protecting me. It's more protection. Rejection is redirection and protection. You know, and that's what I was trying to believe or, or think. But I, I just felt like I was a late bloomer or something. I don't know. But, yes, I was wondering. But I don't know if she was. that was her confirming that for me. But I said, nobody can confirm that for me. I don't care what nobody says that they done spiritually, witchcraft, whatever they put on you, none of that. It don't matter, you know, God dictates that God has the final say. I've always been taught that growing up. God has the final say in everything. Nobody can put witchcraft on you to take your life because God's gonna have the final say in it. Nobody can put witchcraft on you to take your womb because God's gonna have the final say in it. Nobody can put witchcraft on you to steal your destiny because God's gonna have the final say in it. But they <clears throat> That day, she almost promised, in a way, she didn't even promise me. She was like, she was thinking about, you know, having a child for me. She only wanted to have two kids her whole life. That's what I feel like she said. And um, I was like, I mean, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being, you know, considerate of me. But um, I don't know. I don't know if, one, I'll even, if I'll even want children, if I can't ever have children, and if I'll ever need you to have children for me. But thank you. You know, I think that's what I said. And I thought that was weird, but we got out of the car. They never said anything, and I didn't have a clue about anything. But um, I thought maybe this individual was saying that that was my baby because of that day when she promised me one of her children. And then I thought about how she had a baby before, but she got an abortion, and this would be her second child. And she told me she was only having two children her entire life, so maybe that's why he felt he could give me this child. But, um... You can't give anybody's child away. You can't give anybody's life away. You can't buy anybody's life. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not fully aware of what all is possible spiritually and the different things you can do in the spiritual realm. I, I can admit that I'm not fully aware of everything that's that they're capable of, but I can tell you and I can assure you that the Lord has told me my entire life that Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. He comes to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. He does not, Satan does not own nothing. He does not have no power. He does not, he cannot exert power over your life. He cannot dictate anything. Everything he does has to go through God first. God is the almighty power. Satan cannot dictate anything. He don't run nothing. Satan don't run nothing at all. And so, 
you know, it can be difficult to accept because, you know, all the different things you go through and all the different things that feel like Satan has a hand and is capable of getting away when you start to feel like, well, he can. How can you say he can't do this when he did that? How can you say he doesn't have power when he's exerting power? You know, he's doing all this different stuff. Like, you're, you know, in denial or you're crazy or you just, you know, just, Christians don't make sense to me, different stuff like that. You know, the Bible says asking you should receive or not receiving. The Bible says, you know, the Lord may not give you more than you can handle. I've had more than I can handle. Or all your prayers will be answered. So many of my prayers weren't answered. And all these different things that people feel like the you know, Bible is a lie. But Satan is the liar. Satan is the liar. God is the truth. He never tells a lie. Everything he tells you going to happen, going to happen. When he promised you something, you better be sure that's going to happen. Because how could you not be sure? It seems like Satan acts like he can do so much and he sits in the throne as if he's God. But in reality, he never was able to fight God like he planned to do. He fought Michael. He would never fight God. He is not the equivalent of God nor Jesus. He's the equivalent of Archangel Michael at best. He was thrown out of heaven and now he's going into the bottomless pit. That's his fate. Satan is a liar. And I get it, it's difficult. It can be very hard to accept. But um also um You know, um, as I said, Satan is a liar, and that day he was burned down again by the light that the Lord poured out of me in order for my sister to be returned home. He said he was going to kill her. He did not succeed in his plans to kill her. She's still alive today. My niece was born in holy righteousness. I think my sister said she saw her doctor was either her daddy or God, one of those. I don't know who she said it really was. I think she said it was her daddy, though. But when she went to the hospital, everybody said, she's been raptured. She's been raptured, you know, rushing to her aid because I remember them asking me, you know, three days when she was having a baby. That day when she was, you know, when her water broke and everything, I heard it in the spirit. She would, she wasn't even telling us. She didn't call us or anything. I heard it in the spirit that her water broke and that she was looking for a hospital. She had to drive herself to the hospital. And I heard them saying, don't let her in the hospitals. Don't let her here, you know, with that demon baby and all kind of stuff like that. You know, we're not, we not even about to allow her to have no baby. We, no no hospital is going to accept her. And I was like, um, Lord, please let my sister be accepted into a hospital. Lord, please, please allow, please, please let my sister be accepted into a hospital before, you know, this baby comes out. Jesus, don't let her have this baby alone. Jesus, please get her somewhere you know where they will tend to her you know and then that's when it was kind of asking me in a way like do you want us to let her in these hospitals do you want us to you know allow her to have her demon baby here I'm like don't call that baby a demon baby that baby has just been delivered by God that baby's not a demon baby Lord Jesus please help them to see that that baby's just been delivered by God that you've come down you poured your holy righteous light into her baby and her you know, and that she is free of whatever it is, you know, that, you know, she's been battling and dealing with. She's free of it. She's been, you know, shown her beauty in God, you know. Please allow her to have her baby. And then that's when I, I heard them say, okay, we're going to accept her into the hospital. And then that's when, you know, in the spirit, I heard her screaming so loud. 
she was screaming so loud in the spirit. I was going through so much, so many different voices around me. I was hearing. I couldn't get this, uh, no silence, but, you know, she was screaming so loud because she was in labor. In the spirit, she was screaming so loud, and she was just like, she just screaming. I was hearing in my ears, like, so loud, like, right next to me. And I just thought that was so scary because in the spirit realm, we right next to each other. And we're going through these different things together. But these demons are possessing our bodies to do things that we're not really, you know, it's not really who we are. And Satan is convincing us this stuff is okay. And we're not. And, like, my, my sister has had to have a baby. She's had to have my niece underneath all of this satanic pressure and spiritual warfare. And it was just so sad to me. Like, this like this individual was talking to her crazy. Like, shut up. I don't want to hear that noise. When she's screaming from having a baby. She's having a baby. You know? And I was so sad. Like, Lord, please deliver us. Because, you know, It was sad to me. It was sad to me, you know. But um, she had her baby. Three days later, she brought the baby to come see us. And she was talking to me. And she was, in a way, opening up in a way. She was starting to say, she told me that she saw her daddy. Her daddy was the doctor that delivered the baby with her and that we were all there with her. I was like, first I was thinking, why didn't you call us so we could get there to the hospital so you wouldn't have to do that alone? But we were all there in the spirit, I guess. And, you know, I still wouldn't want to, I still wouldn't have wanted to be there in person because we look back years from now, we look back on this situation, you know, and we think I was there spiritually if we can even remember that part. You know, in a way, what you, it's not, it's not all in the natural. We're fighting we're not fighting flesh and blood battles, but it's possible that this won't matter. It will have mattered that you actually had somebody physically there with you, you know? So I cared about that, but it didn't seem super important. I didn't make it a big deal. I said, you know, the Lord allowed me to be there for her in the best way possible to be used as a vessel in order to deliver her of whatever it was that was trying to take her life and her child's life. So I didn't make a big deal out of it, but I did... You know, I thought that maybe down the line one day we might look back. And, you know, it would have been, I don't know, maybe it would have mattered that somebody was there with you. She did it alone. She felt like she, maybe she felt like she didn't have anybody. But I did everything I could to show her that she was loved. And the Lord said, you know, um, he said, make sure she feels loved. Make sure she feels loved, you know. And this this individual, the way that he tries to make her feel love, I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. It feels as if he drives her in all the most negative directions. Like he's encouraging her in the negative directions. And that's not real love. That's not real love. But as I've said, the Lord has spoken over this individual. He said that maybe this individual may be raptured. So I don't like to, I'm not trying to judge anybody. And I don't want to feel like I'm better than them, you know, or anything, you know. I mean, I've done the things they've done, but I've done other things they may have never done. So, you know, nobody's in a position to judge, but I don't know. I just want my family back. I want my sister back. I don't really want this individual to be a part of that anymore unless, of course, well, I don't know what I'm, I'm not going to say I want them to be a part of it, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I, I don't hate them or anything like that. I just want our family 
back and I, I want my sister to know who really loves her, who really has her back.